Hello, everybody. It is Michael here, back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I am very, very excited for this episode, as the main topic of this episode is going to be mid-season power rankings. We're not exactly at the mid-season point, but for most teams, we're pretty damn close. With the shortened 72-game season, we're like 24 to 20. Uh, I mean, 34 to 35 games in for a lot of teams. Some teams haven't played as many due to COVID, uh, but that's going to be the main topic. And then we'll talk about the Spurs, the Knicks, and the Hornets towards the end of the episode. Uh, but yeah, let's just get right into the main topic. First thing I want to talk about is my mid-season power rankings. This will give me a chance to just tell my quick thoughts on every NBA team and where I think they rank at the mid-season. And just a disclaimer, this is only based on these first 30 to 35 games of the season. This is not where I think these teams will end up being. It is just strictly how they're playing so far. I am taking into account injuries that teams are dealing with, COVID issues that teams are dealing with, just to put everything into context. And I will be weighing how teams are playing more recently than the beginning of the season, just because I think that gives a more accurate representation of of what these teams look like so let's just get right into it number 30 I got the Minnesota Timberwolves and they're a very bad basketball team uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves just simply have dealt with a lot of injuries in these past couple years but at the end of the day they're just not a very well constructed roster I do think it's good that Ryan Saunders is out because I think he was holding them back uh, but I just don't really like how that team is constructed I just don't think it's a well put together roster they do have players that I like I think Carl Anthony Towns is phenomenal but he's not getting the ball nearly enough in my opinion Anthony Edwards has super high highs but is also a guy that uh, just as a rookie he's going to be incredibly inefficient and that's what he's been all year I'm definitely going to give him a lot of time before I really uh, craft a full opinion on him but for now he's just a guy who's super up and down um, Malik Beasley was having a great season now he got suspended and then just a lot of guys on the roster haven't been playing super well like Ricky Rubio hasn't been great the forward position is always something I criticize with this team uh, because they're relying on younger guys and guys who simply just aren't that good to play forward minutes for them. Like you have guys who I like for the future, like a Jaden McDaniels. Uh, I still think Jarrett Culver can be good, but you just have a lot of issues with this roster and they're just a pretty bad team. Uh, number 29, I have the Houston Rockets. And while they do have some talent on that roster, I just think they're in a really, really weird spot right now where they're trying to be good, but they aren't good. I would put them a little bit higher if Christian Wood was healthy. Uh, but, I mean, they've gone on an 11-game losing streak. What else can you say about this team? They've been playing some awful basketball recently. I think the Victor Oladipo situation is definitely something that's hanging over their head. They need Christian Wood healthy. And I just think they need to pick a direction because this team is just uh, stuck trying to be good. But this roster just simply isn't good enough. At, <coughs> at 28, I got the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> <coughs> my bad at 28 I got the Detroit Pistons while they aren't a great team by any means and that's why they're this low I do like the fact that they uh, do compete with some teams and they do uh, show some good heart against some of the better teams in the league which is very impressive I think Jeremy Grant's had a phenomenal year has definitely proved me wrong I always thought he was just going to be one of the best role players in the league like top three and potentially the best role player in the league but he's really emerged to being a star caliber player Sadiq Bey has been great for them the more and more minutes he gets he's just continuing to impress 
Uh, I like what Isaiah Stewart has done off the bench. Still don't love that pick as a whole, but I like what he's been doing for the team. And I like some of their vets. Like, I really like Mason Plumlee. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. has been playing well ever since he's joined them. I like Shvi Luke as a shooter. I'm really hoping that... Uh, they could just have s some better seasons from some of their young guys next year. Like, I really hope Seku uh, Demboya could either have a better second half of this year or can bounce back next year and develop. Uh, I really hope whenever Killian Hayes gets healthy, he can have a bounce back because he was really, really struggling. But he's another player I'm completely not giving up on because I thought he was great coming out of the draft. And that's a super tough uh, position to transfer to. Obviously, we've seen some players in this uh, draft class transfer pretty easily, but in general, it's a really hard opposition uh, to come into the NBA too. But Detroit Pistons obviously aren't a great team, but I like their future and I like how they've been playing. I do like that they stay in games and are at least a competitive, somewhat fun team. At 27, I have the Sacramento Kings, and they're definitely more talented than 27, obviously. De'Aaron Fox has proven himself as an all-star caliber player in this league. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton has been one of the steals of the draft. Love Tyrese Halliburton's game so much. He's just all over the floor, and he's a guy who I'm so surprised so many people just didn't take. That was a big, big mistake for a lot of those teams that passed up on Tyrese Halliburton to pass up on him, and he's definitely been a big, bright spot. I mean, Marvin Bagley's had some better games recently, but he still isn't, like, great. They obviously had that massive collapse uh, against the Hornets, which was just completely embarrassing. Buddy Heald has been disappointing. Luke Walton needs to get out of there. He sucks. He's a terrible head coach. And at the end of the day, there's just a lot of issues with this roster. Their depth is bad. Their interior defense and rebounding isn't good enough because as much as I like Rashawn Holmes, I really like him as a potential high-energy backup big. Uh, and I think that's his best role and the role he would be most successful in. And uh, that would help the Kings the most, but he's forced to play the starter minutes. And that's why we see them consistently be some of the worst interior teams uh, as far as it be defense and rebounding is because it's Rashawn Holmes who already isn't like a player that I would want to really have starting anyway. And then they don't really have anything at the backup bigs. I mean, I like some of the prospects on uh, this team. I like Ajamius Ramsey. I really like Robert Woodard. Uh, but those guys aren't playing yet, and I'm just really unimpressed by the Kings. They've been uh, super up and down. Like Their ups have been very, very good, and that's why they're so confusing to me. They're 1-9 in their last 10, but they were playing good. It's just been a weird season for them, and I really don't like what I've seen from the Sacramento Kings so far. At 26, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. Obviously, they had a very hot start, and they looked very, very good at the beginning of the year. Uh, but they've definitely slowed down. Colin Sexton is still having a good year. Uh, don't get me wrong, but he's not having like the crazy year that he was having at the beginning. Darius Garland has slowed down. Jared Allen's been an amazing pickup for him, and I think he's proving to be one of the better centers in the league. A guy who's definitely going to get a pretty hefty contract, and I think he'll be worth it. Uh, but there's just a lot of issues with this roster and a lot of things that weren't going to sustain at the beginning of the year. Isaac Okoro's had a rough rookie year so far, uh, but he's another guy who I'm not surprised he's having a rough rookie year. I do think he's a guy who's going to take time, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I still think his defensive upside is crazy. He's just going to need uh, time and patience on offense, and I think they'll give that to him. Uh, they've had some injuries as well, like Larry Nance Jr. being gone. As much as he isn't a big name or anything, he's massive to that team. Easily the best defender on that roster and a guy who was really, really helping them out. So him 
being gone obviously hurts. Uh, they have the Andre Drummond rumors, and I do like their future. I, I really like the outlook of this team, but for now, they're just not uh, a good team. And even though they had their hot start, they haven't looked good for a while now. Uh, 25 out of the Orlando Magic, they'd definitely be a team that would be higher if there wasn't so many injuries, but they obviously do have those injuries. And it's not even like some of those injuries are just uh, things that are going to last for now and will be gone uh, like later in the year, not a lot of these injuries are season season ending injuries, which is obviously super unfortunate. The Markel Fultz injury really, really hurt. Uh, but Nikola Vucevic has done a hell of a job carrying this roster. He's been incredible this year, made a second all star team. I mean, Evan Fournier has been very good as well. Those two guys are just kind of carrying the load. Uh, but they're just not very good this year. And it's just a wash for them at this point with how many injuries that they're dealing with. Uh, 24, I have the Atlanta Hawks. They're a team that just fired uh, their head coach, uh, Lloyd Pierce, and Nate McMillan is stepping in uh, to be that head coach for now at least. And they've been really disappointing to me this year. I wasn't a guy who really had like sky-high expectations anyway just because I thought a lot of people were overrating the Hawks. I thought a lot of people were jumping the gun too early. And I think a lot of the issues that I had with this team are coming to fruition where I was worried about a lot of guys just not getting the proper chance to develop. And I was worrying that we were rushing a lot of these young players to be impactful basketball players right now, uh, like a Cam Reddish who is super inconsistent and really just doesn't have the confidence yet. Obviously, they've dealt with a lot of injuries, which doesn't help by any means. Uh, the one thing uh, DeAndre Hunter really hurt, obviously. Danilo Gallinari's been a massive disappointment. has been in and out of the lineup. The John Collins situation has kind of been hanging over their head all year. Uh, Bogdanovich has barely played for them. I don't think Chris Dunn has played a single game for them. Uh, the injuries have definitely been something that's been holding back this roster, and I think they can have a better second half of the season. Uh, but to this point, I'm just not really impressed by this roster. And again, they've been uh, a disappointment, even as someone who didn't have super high expectations for them in the first place. At 23, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder. And while we all know they're far from the most talented team, this is a team that just somehow finds a way to get things done. Like, they're a team that a lot of times has really close games, and they just uh, find a way to pull out at the end. And I think it comes from Shea Gildas-Alexander playing as good of basketball as he has all year. Shea's been phenomenal for them. Uh, and they just have a lot of nice players. Like, they don't have uh, a ton of standout guys, but they have guys who can just play roles on this team. Like, I really like what Isaiah Roby's brought to them this year. As a guy who's played that four position, who's played that small ball center as well, just brings nice energy off the bench. This guy who rolls to the basket really well. Uh, I like Mike Muscala as a stretch big off the bench. Al Horford has uh, proved that he's still a good player. It's just that contract attached to him that really caused a lot of people to devalue him. And this is me included. I'm not saying I'm uh, like away from doing this, but uh, I feel like a lot of players that happens to, like it's happened to Chris Paul in the past as well, and it happened to Al Horford for sure. When he was just being played in the wrong role and got uh, – given too big of a contract Al Horford's still an impactful and good basketball player at the end of the day uh, I really 
like what George Hill can bring as just a reliable veteran guard. I hope he's someone who gets traded just because I think a contender could really use a George Hill type of player. Uh, Hamadou Diallo's improved a ton this year. Darius Baisley's been up and down, but he's had some really good moments. And they're just a team that fights every night, has a great culture. And while they're not going to be a team who's in the playoff hunt at all, really, they're a team that's going to continue to be fun and have bright moments. And the future of this team is beautiful. Them being 23 is honestly a good thing. Like, it's even better than most people thought they would be. And I've, I really like the OKC Thunder, love their future, and they're even a decent team right now. At 22, I have the Washington Wizards. They're definitely a team that's been starting to turn things around. Had a nail-biter loss to the Celtics, but are still 7-3 in their last 10. Uh, they're just really starting to look like the team that most people thought they would be, which isn't an amazing team by any means, but it is a team that's going to fight for a playoff spot. They're only two games out of the playoffs, which considering how much of a hole they dug themselves at the beginning of the year, that's incredibly impressive. And it just shows that they are playing good basketball. And with me weighing how teams are playing more recently than how they played at the beginning of the season, that's why they're at the spot. Obviously, they have issues on the defensive side of the ball. That center position with the Thomas Bryan injury isn't very good. Uh, and just as a whole, the defense on that roster kind of sucks. But Russell Westbrook's uh, been playing better recently. Still hasn't played like amazing, but it's definitely been better. Uh, Bradley Beals had one hell of a season. Uh, I really like what uh, just a lot of guys on this team can bring. Like I, I like Rui Hachimura a lot. It's just a super solid role player. I don't think he's ever going to be a star, and even if he is, he's going to be one of those fringe guys. But I think he's a nice, impactful player to have on that team. Love Denny of Dia and what he could potentially bring in the future. Davis Bertans has had a pretty rough season, but he's been playing better recently. And they've definitely looked better on defense, and they've just looked like more of a team as a whole. The morale of that team is a lot better, and they're playing some good basketball right now. Uh, at 21, I have the New Orleans Pelicans. They're a team that is super confusing for me and super tough to evaluate. Uh, Zion has been phenomenal this year. Zion is a well-deserving all-star and is a guy who somehow, with all the hype he uh, got coming into the league, has somehow now become underrated for a lot of people and a lot of people are forgetting how dominant this guy is he has been fantastic this year brandon ingram has been an all-star caliber player uh just with how bad they were and with neither of those guys playing like crazy crazy basketball in a really tough western conference that has a lot of talent it just made sense that only one of them was going to make the all-star team lonzo's been really turning a corner and has been excellent and he was so so great in the month of february loved what i've seen from lonzo but i just think the fit of this roster is really really poor eric bledsoe needs to get out of there steven adams needs to get out of there stan van gundy needs to get out of there there's just a lot of issues with this roster that are holding them uh, back from being as good as they could be and they obviously have the talent i just think the fit's not there for them at number 20 of the chicago bulls i like what i've seen from the bulls this year their team that is doing exactly what I wanted them to, which is not being great, but just being competitive and being fun, being around that 10th seed, which they are uh, currently as at the recording of this video. Uh, I think that's a perfect place for them to be. Zach Levine has been phenomenal this year. Uh, Lowry Markin has, has had a bounce back year as well. Wendell Carter has been solid. Kobe White's been up and down, but has had some uh, really nice moments. And I just think them having an actual competent NBA head coach 
has shown just how good Zach Levine is. He's been incredible so far this season. Patrick Williams has been nice as a rookie. And they just have a nice mix of veterans. Like, the veterans win them a lot of games. Uh, even though these names don't, like, jump uh, off the sheet, they're really solid basketball players who, at the end of the day, know what it takes to win in this league. Like, uh, Thomas Sadoransky, Thaddeus Young has been incredible. Sixth man of the year candidate, even though uh, I think Jordan Clarkson's running away with the award. He definitely deserves some love for sixth man of the year. And you got like an auto porter. They're just uh, a decent team, and they're definitely fun to watch. I like what I've seen, and I've, I just really have enjoyed to see the improvement of the Chicago Bulls. Number 19, I have the Indiana Pacers. They're a team that is definitely... Uh, being hurt a lot by injuries right now. Their team that definitely would be higher if they weren't dealing with injuries. Uh, but with Karis LeVert and TJ Warren being out, they simply just don't have the talent. Like, as good as the duo of Malcolm Brogdon and Sabonis is, and obviously they're a very solid duo, they're not good enough where they can survive without having a third guy. And they're missing what would be their third and fourth guy. So obviously that's going to hurt the team quite a lot. And while they have a bunch of solid players outside of them, they don't have that one guy who can step up. Miles Turner is just going to be who he is. Uh, I, I really like a lot of the role players. I love both of the Holiday brothers. Uh, Doug McDermott's a great shooter. But a lot of these guys just aren't good enough to step in the role of being the third player on this team. And that's definitely hurt them. Their team, that's decent. Uh, they're not bad by any means, but they're just not as good as a lot of these other teams. And, I mean, it is a very, very tight Eastern Conference. So, any day they could jump up from being the ninth seed to being the fourth seed again. Uh, but they just haven't looked super great recently. And it's mostly due to injury. Uh, but those injuries are going to continue to uh, go on for a good bit. So, uh, they just have to try and play as best as they can with uh, the injuries that they're currently dealing with. At number 18, I have the Memphis Grizzlies, who have looked solid so far this year. They're a 500 team and uh, definitely have not looked bad by any means, considering that Jaron Jackson Jr. has been injured the entire season. And I think him coming back is definitely going to give this team uh, a big, big boost. And while they do have uh, better records or the same records as some teams that I do have above them, uh, I just think at the end of the day, they do lack the talent that a lot of these other teams do and credit to them they managed to win a lot of these games while not having nearly uh uh the same amount of talent that a lot of these other teams to do but I think in a playoff series or uh, even in a big game I just think a lot of these other teams would have the capability to outplay them because I think the shot creation when John Morant isn't on the floor can be very questionable. I think John Morant hasn't taken the step that most people expect them to, but still credit to them. Taylor Jenkins is a great coach. Uh, they got a really, uh, really nice mix of role players. I love so many of the role players on this team. I really like Jonas Valanciunas. I love their rookies and Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman. Uh, I like Kyle Anderson. Trey Jones is a uh, backup point guard. This team is just nice as a whole. Uh, but a lot of teams are just marginally better than them. This is what was tough about ranking teams because there's so many teams that I'm like, they're right in the same area. So I'm just really splitting hairs. And a lot of times it just comes down to who I prefer uh, more as a team. Like a team like the Hornets, who is right above them at 17. I'll transition to them. Uh, the Hornets aren't like an exponentially better team than the Grizzlies. And if you said the Grizzlies were better, I would not be mad at you at all. Uh, but I do just prefer 
prefer this Hornets team because they're playing somewhat better basketball uh, than the Grizzlies recently. Uh, I just love what LaMelo can bring. Uh, I think that like one through three for them and one through four is fantastic with P.J. Washington at the four because you got LaMelo, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and P.J. Washington all having great seasons. Uh, Terry Rozier is quietly been like an all-star caliber player the center position isn't great but Cody uh, Zeller is just serviceable and Bismack Biombo is a fine enough uh, backup Malik Bunk has been a guy who's uh, really just changed the narrative of him he was getting coaches DMPs at the beginning of the uh, season and now he's turning into a super valuable role player off the bench love what Miles Bridges brings to this team I just really really like this team overall they're super fun and at the end of the day it's not just them being fun they legitimately are a good team that wins basketball games against other tough teams and they really just have a nice camaraderie to this team this team is great to watch and they got a lot of really solid players on it Number 16, I have the Toronto Raptors, who are another team in this area with a lot of uh, different teams that are just a decent basketball team. The Raptors aren't great or anything, but uh, Fred Van Vliet's had a hell of a year, all-star caliber year for him. Kyle Lowry's missed some time, and he's definitely taken a bit of a step back, but he's still been uh, solid in the minutes he's played this year. Uh, Pascal Siakam, as much criticism as he gets, he's still a solid basketball player and a, a rounded all-star player in this league. And it, at the end of the day, it just comes down to how good their coaching is with Nick Nurse. Their role players continue to step up year by year. A guy like Norman Powell has definitely stepped up this year and has had some really, really nice moments. Uh, their center position hasn't been great, but Chris Boucher has definitely came in and played the best basketball of his career. And as a whole, they're just a decent team who manages to win games, even though they lack the talent that a lot of teams uh, ahead of them have. And even a lot of teams behind them have more talent than uh, the Raptors, but it's just culture and coaching that puts them over the top. And they're a decent team. It's why they're 16, literally right in the middle of the pack on, uh, yeah. The Raptors have been pretty solid this year. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to give you fifth, 15 through 1. Okay, I'm back to give my 15 through 1 in my 2021 NBA midseason power rankings. 15 is the Boston Celtics. Their team that has definitely been a very, very big disappointment this year. Uh, but Kemba has looked better recently, which you got to give him credit for. When people criticize Kemba, you got to give him credit for when he's playing good basketball, which he has for the most part uh, recently. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have both had very good seasons. I just think they're a team that needs to make some trades at the trade deadline. Uh, but as a whole, they're just a pretty average middle-of-the-pack team at this point. And again, as a Celtics fan, it's definitely been disappointing. Even outsiders who aren't invested in the team at all have been disappointed. Uh, it's been a weird season. It's been tough to watch at certain points. Hopefully, they start to turn a corner. Uh, but I don't really know at this point. I I feel like whenever they go on a one or two game winning streak, they're guaranteed to lose the next game. It's just been super up and down. And at this point, we're just the middle of the pack roster. At number 14, I have the Dallas Mavericks, who are another team uh, around 500, and I think that's where they're going to stick around the entire season. They're the ninth seed in the Western Conference as the point of this recording. Uh, Luka has had a fantastic season, and he's been playing amazing basketball recently, some of the best basketball of his entire career. Chris Stapps, while being up and down and while being very, very disappointing on the defensive side of the ball, he's been 
pretty awful on defense. He's been getting better on offense, uh, and they do have a lot of their role players back, which is big, and that was a big reason why they were even struggling in the first place was that they were mi- they were missing a Maxi Cleaver for a good amount of time, and I, I think I read a stat where it said they missed the most uh, games as a team uh, like due to COVID and due to injuries as well. So that definitely explained for a lot of their struggles. And even though I don't know if they're going to make like the top eight in a really tough Western Conference, they'll definitely be in that play-in. And they'll definitely be a team that uh, other teams are worried to face because at the end of the day, when you got Luka Doncic on your roster, you got a chance in any game. And I think he's going to continue to show that all year. He's been great. And I think this roster will just be a very, very decent team throughout the rest of the year. And at number 13, we got the surprise of the year. The New York Knicks are a top 13 team for me. Absolutely crazy, man. I thought they were going to be a bottom five team this year. I thought the Tom Thibodeau hiring was a huge mistake. Uh, I thought Julius Randle was an empty stats guy. I will not lie. I was incredibly uh, negative looking into the season for the Knicks, but they have surprised everyone. Uh, I do want to get more into them later in the episode, but the things that have stood out to me the most, and I think the things that we can learn the most from this Knicks season, is the value of culture. The value of culture is so, so important, and we've seen it completely uh, change the narrative of a lot of these players. R.J. Barrett's been very good this year. Julius Randle has proved everybody wrong and has become an all-star player in this league. Uh, And they just have a ton of nice role players who aren't like super special or anything, but have a specific role and do it very well. Love the D Rose pickup. Manuel quickly has been great this year. Uh, They just have a lot of really bright spots on that roster and are just surprising everyone playing that gritty defense, uh, playing that Tom Thibodeau style of basketball and it's been a treat to watch. It's really, really exciting to see Knicks basketball uh, be back. And they are my 13th ranked team. Uh, at the midseason. At number 12, I have the Miami Heat. They're a team that is definitely heating up, are looking a lot better recently, and I've been incredibly impressed by them. 7-3 and three in their last 10, and now that they're healthy, now that they got all their people that made them so successful last year in the first place, I think we're going to see the Miami Heat continue to play excellent basketball. As much as it's cool to see the Knicks before, I expect Miami to take that spot. Uh, They've just been playing so well. Jimmy Butler's back, and he's playing great basketball. Bam has been great throughout the entire year. They have Goran Dragic healthy, which is definitely a big, big thing for them. Tyler Hero's getting healthy as well. Like You got to watch out for the Heat. They may not be the team that people expected coming into the year, uh, but they're heating up, and they are dangerous. I really, really like the the way this roster's been playing recently, and I think they're going to be a team that no one wants to face come playoff time, and I think they're a team that could continue to climb these uh, power rankings because the Miami Heat are playing some great basketball right now. At number 11, I got the Golden State Warriors. They're a team that's fun and competitive because at the end of the day, when you have Steph Curry on your roster, you're going to be able to compete in any game. And he's been just ridiculous this year. Steph Curry's been absolutely phenomenal. A true show to watch. Has had uh, one of, if not his best year. He 
uh, has just been amazing this year, especially considering the circumstances with him not having the greatest help. I mean, other guys have definitely stepped up, like Kelly Oubre after a super slow start has been playing great recently. Andrew Wiggins has been much better on defense and has had a, a very solid year. Draymond Green is proving anyone who doubted him wrong. And while he may not score uh, that much at all, that doesn't matter. Draymond Green is still an incredibly impactful player at the end of the day. And you can see it whenever he's on the floor. The Warriors are significantly better. James Wiseman, uh, as up and down as he can be with him not being the highest IQ basketball player yet. He does have a lot of really nice moments and his future is super bright. My thing is just the lack of depth with this roster and the lack of guys you can rely on. Like, I do like some of the guys later down the line. Uh, I really like... Um, Toscano he's been great for them this year it's just a big time energy guy he's a guy who's not going to put up flattering stats but he'll just make nice plays off the bench with his hustle they have a lot of decent players uh, on that roster but they just don't really have the top tier talent that most teams do uh, and that's why I would pick all the teams that I do have above them over them just because I don't think they can really hang with like the best of the best in a series just due to the fact that Steph Curry has to carry the load so hard. Uh, but that team's super fun to watch. And I think especially uh, when Klay Thompson can slide right back into the lineup, they're set up beautifully. That team's dangerous in the future. At the end of the day, this is just not their year, uh, but they'll be back as a championship-level uh, team. I 100% believe that because Steph Curry is going to continue to be great, and a lot of those uh, players on the roster are proving people wrong and are playing good basketball. The Warriors are just a pretty decent team, uh, and, I mean, they're the eighth seed in the West, but uh, they'd be the fourth seed in the East, so I think that just shows they are a good roster, and they're definitely going to be a competitive team this year. At number 10, I have the Denver Nuggets. They've definitely been a big disappointment for me. Uh, obviously, Nikola Jokic has been incredible this year. There's no other way around that. He's been absolutely amazing. Jamal Murray's been playing better recently, but is a player who just continues to be inconsistent. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., ever coming ever since coming off of COVID, has been very, very disappointing. And I'm not going to blame him because, like a lot of other players as well, COVID affects people in different ways, and it affects uh, a lot of people very, very badly. And I think we've seen that with MPJ. Uh, and they just don't really have uh, a lot of the things that you need on a championship-caliber team. I think the wing defense is the thing that immediately sticks out to me and the thing that they miss the most in Jeremy Grant is the fact that they don't have much versatility at the wing position on the defensive side of the ball. And that's going to be the thing that holds them back from being a championship-caliber team is that you can't guard a LeBron or a Kawhi in a series. Obviously, you're not going to really be able to guard those guys anyway, but you don't even have someone to try and contain them. Uh, and defense and just versatility as a whole is definitely the thing that this roster lacks. At number nine, I have the Portland Trailblazers are definitely a team that I think could be higher when they get back healthy. Uh, they have been struggling recently for sure, but Dame has had one hell of a year. Uh, Gary Trent has really broken out and has been incredible for them this season. Love Gary Trent and his game so, so much. Uh, Robert Covington, while his shooting has been massively disappointing, he has been a guy who's been good on the defensive side of the ball, and that's where you wanted him to impact the game most uh, anyway. Obviously, you would love if he could shoot the ball better, uh, but he is doing what they want him to do. And Anthony Simons has had a really good year off the bench. At the end of the day, this roster just needs to get healthy, and I think we've seen it with them slowing down that they really just do need those guys back. 
and need some more consistency because outside of uh, the guys that I mentioned, uh, there's just not the greatest players on this roster, and they are a team that doesn't have crazy depth. So when they uh, do miss uh, their key players, they're definitely uh, going to miss them significantly, and it's going to be noticeable. Uh, but they did do a very good job of staying afloat without them, and they just need them to get healthy. I think the All-Star break will be a good time for those guys to rest up and hopefully uh, be back soon. I think uh, both Nurkic and CJ should be back at some point somewhat soon. And this team will definitely be a team that's fun and that people are going to fear and that no one really wants to play because they're a team that has Damian Lillard. And uh, once CJ gets back, that three-headed monster of Dame, CJ, and Gary Trent, it's uh, one of the best shooting trios we've uh, seen, and that's going to be a really, really fun team. At number eight, I have the San Antonio Spurs, who continue to surprise every th everyone, but also continue to go incredibly underrated by everyone. This Spurs team is nice, man. I love, love this Spurs team so, so much. Uh, they're a team that's definitely been one of my favorites to watch all year. I love to see the evolution of DeMar DeRozan. I love all the young players on this team. I think Greg Popovich has done a masterful job coaching them. And just as a whole, they've been a super fun team this year and have been real, real entertaining for me to watch. The Spurs are just a good team that no one really talks about, and they definitely deserve their love. Uh, and I'll go more into them later in the episode, but they're a team that I really, really enjoy watching and I think continues to fly under the radar. Uh, number seven, I have the Phoenix Suns. They're basically about as good as I think you can be without being a contender. Like, obviously, this roster is incredibly well-constructed. Their backcourt is one of the best in the league easily. Two all-star players. Uh, really, really happy to see them both be able to make it. And they're uh, obviously just phenomenal. DeAndre Ayton is a good center. I love their forwards so much. There's just so much length. Uh, and defensive versatility and offensive versatility as well that comes from there. You got uh, Mikhail Bridges, who was taking a big leap on offense while still being one of the best defenders in the league, definitely an all-defense caliber uh, player. You got a Jay Crowder, great defender, really good vet to add to the team. Cam Johnson, great shooter and a guy who is a very good defender as well. And then you got like an Etwan Moore off the bench, a lot, a lot of these players like aren't great, but they're just really solid role players, and they fit the team really, really well. They fit the identity that this team is going for. I think the coaching there is great, and I just love this team as a whole. Again, I think they're about as good as you can be without being a contender. At number six, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. I've been very vocal about my issues with this team and why I don't uh, believe in them, which is Mike Budenholzer. Uh, but this roster is very well constructed. They've been playing well recently. Giannis is playing MVP caliber basketball. He's not going to be in it just due to voters fatigue, which annoys some people. Uh, but I, I mean, I understand at the end of the day, unless he was like just completely going on some like crazy dominant level, like LeBron 2018 playoff level. It's just hard to give a player three MVPs in a row. Because, uh, again, you have to be a whole nother level of dominant for that to happen. Uh, but he's been fantastic this year. Chris Middleton, while not making the all-star team, has definitely been an all-star caliber player. Drew Holiday, I think, has been misutilized a lot, but has been a good addition for the team. And I think he could be a big player in some intense playoff series for sure. 
Uh, I think Bobby Portis has been a phenomenal pickup for them off the bench, but I think Mike Boonholzer is going to continue to hold them back, and that's why uh, I don't believe in them, and I do think they are the third best team in the Eastern Conference. And number five, I have the Brooklyn Nets. They're obviously a team who has some just absolutely crazy talent, uh, easily some of, if not the most talent in the league, but I just can't believe in a team that has as little defense as they do. Uh, their defense on some nights can just be borderline embarrassing. Like, the effort on that side of the ball is awful. The personnel is a mess. And while they're so talented offensively, it is hard for me to see them beating a team like the 76ers just due to the fact that they uh, the 76ers have Joel Embiid and they uh, have the ability to play both uh, to play great on both sides of the ball, which the Nets simply don't. Obviously, the talent is still going to win the Nets a lot of games, and uh, they're number five for a reason. I could easily see them winning the East, um, but I could also definitely see them being beat by a team that's just more well-rounded and has a dominant interior presence like the 76ers do. And that's why I have the 76ers at four. I love what I've seen from uh, them this year. Joel Embiid has been as locked in as he's ever been in his career, and he's been uh, just straight up phenomenal. Love Joel Embiid uh, and just love the way he's been playing this year because he was a guy who I put uh, pretty low on my like top 50 list. I put him, I think, at 13, and it was never due to his talent. I'll always say this. I always knew how talented Joel Embiid is. It was always about him staying healthy and staying locked in for an entire season, and that's exactly what he's done this year. Best physical shape of his life. He's shooting the ball better than he has, ever has, and he's been phenomenal. Ben Simmons is definitely a defensive player of the year candidate, and him and Rudy Gobert is going to be a very interesting conversation at the end of this year for who deserves to win it. Depends on what you think is more valuable, versatility or the dominant interior presence on the defensive side of the ball. And he's been turning up on offense. Tobias Harris has had a great year. And I just really like this roster construction as a whole, especially compared to last year. They're just a much more well-rounded and uh, a team that just makes much more sense than they did last year. Really, really like the 76ers. At number three, you have the Los Angeles Clippers. They're a team that has looked very solid this year. Uh, I really like Serge Ibaka, and I love that addition so much. He just makes a lot more sense for the roster than Montrezl Harrell did because he's uh, a million times better of a defender, and he's a guy who just doesn't need the ball like uh, Montrezl did. Uh, he just fits the team so much better. Uh, I think a lot of those role players have sacrificed and are playing much better roles. Like Marcus Morris has been playing really well off the bench. They obviously have PG and Kawhi, who are just a phenomenal duo. PG, as much criticism as he gets whenever he has a bad game, he's been great this year. And I obviously still need to see what happens come playoff time. Uh, but he has been very, very good this season. Kawhi, MVP candidate. Uh, they do have some issues down the stretch that have scared me. Like, they're one of the worst clutch performing teams this year which is definitely not a good look considering uh like Kawhi is such a clutch player but he's ha he has one of the worst uh field goal percentages in the clutch because their team that to me it seems like they just kind of freeze up down the stretch that's honestly been my only issue though uh, and obviously that is something that's worrying and I need to see them uh, iron that out before the season ends but other than that I've uh, really enjoyed everything I've seen from the Clippers and they've definitely exceeded my expectations Number two, I have the Los Angeles Lakers. 
They've obviously been very, very good this season. Had uh, some struggles without Anthony Davis, and without Anthony Davis, they just simply don't have the talent that a lot of other teams do. Uh, But they're still able to win games, obviously. And once AD does get back, uh, they're still my championship pick. And if I was doing like what I predict uh, every team to be like at the end of the season, uh, they would definitely be my pick. I mean, there's no other way around it. The Los Angeles Lakers are a phenomenal team. A great head coach in Frank Vogel. He was a guy who I wasn't a big fan of the hiring when it initially happened, but I think we're seeing with them still being as good of a defensive team as they've been without Anthony Davis. You got to give credit to the players, obviously, and a lot of guys have stepped up on the defensive side of the ball, but I think that gives a lot of credit as well to Frank Vogel and his defensive coaching. Uh, LeBron's had a very good year, and uh, now that Dennis Schroeder's back, they're starting to win games again, and I think when Anthony Davis comes back, they're going to be locked in, and they're going to play some really good basketball down the stretch before playoff times, and they're still definitely my champion this year. And number one, this is an obvious pick, and it's the Utah Jazz. I don't think anyone can do a midseason power rankings and not have Utah number one. They've been the clear best team so far this year. They almost have an 80% win percentage. They've been phenomenal. Uh, They remind me a lot of the 2014 Spurs, much more than the 2015 Hawks, which has been the comparison they've got a lot to kind of belittle this team and to criticize them. But I think they're much more uh, 2014 Spurs. And that just comes with the fact that they're a team that moves the ball so, so well. The ball never sticks. Uh, and they just have so many guys on this roster that can shoot. Like, everybody on this roster, it feels like, is shooting a career high from three. They're the most pro- prolific uh, three-point shooting team of all time, statistically. They have the sixth man of the year in Jordan Clarkson, defensive player of the year, uh, more likely than not in Rudy Gobert, even though Ben Simmons has a great case as well. Uh, they have a guy who can close down the stretch in Donovan Mitchell, a guard alongside him who can create a Mike Conley, great defensive uh, wings and like a Joe Ingles who isn't athletic uh, like a lot of these other wings are but he's super smart Royce O'Neal's an all defensive caliber uh, wing and has shot the ball really well uh, they got a lot of guys who can play make and I just really like this roster as a whole Quinn Snyder's a great coach and the Utah Jazz have been the best team so far uh, to this point in the season love everything from the Utah Jazz and they've been straight up phenomenal I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back Okay, I'm back to talk about the San Antonio Spurs who continue to fly under the radar and continue to be incredibly underrated by most people as they've just been playing great basketball all year and I've been incredibly impressed by them. Uh, They're a team that I definitely didn't expect to be super good this year. I was honestly uh, pretty negative about them. I liked a lot of their young players and I liked the future of this team, but I didn't think they were going to be great this year. Uh, but at uh, at the recording of this video, they're currently the number five seed in the Western Conference, which I don't think anyone could have uh, seen coming. But uh, the first person that I just need to give credit to uh, for how well he's been playing this year is DeMar DeRozan. He was someone who I was not super high on just because I thought his play style didn't really fit the modern NBA anymore. I obviously recognized what he was good at. I recognized that he was an improving playmaker, uh, that he was one of the best mid-range shooters in the league, uh, amazing at attacking the basket, and he was a guy who uh, could put up numbers, but I just, again, didn't think he really fit the modern style of basketball. Uh, But I just really want to appreciate his renaissance as a player and how much he's grown. 
He is currently averaging 20 points, about five rebounds, and seven assists this year. It's really the playmaking that has stood out to me the most. It's not even just the amount of assists. Like, obviously, that jumps off the stat sheet, and that's a very good amount. Uh, but it's just when I watch the Spurs as their team that I've kept a pretty close eye on all year. Uh, DeMar's vision has just improved so much. He just sees so many things that he simply wouldn't have earlier on in his career. And I think that's another thing that Popovich has just uh, helped players in is I feel like whenever you go to the Spurs, he just goes in your ear and you kind of get a whole new understanding of the game. But you obviously have to give uh, DeRozan credit as well for just improving as a playmaker and very clearly making uh, that one of his goals uh, to probably prolong his career is just improving that vision and not being as one-dimensional as a player as he used to be because it felt like uh, earlier on in his career, even when he was averaging like a decent amount of assists, when he wasn't really scoring, he wasn't impacting the game that much, but he's taking almost a career low in shots. He's only taking 13.6 shots a game, and there's a lot of games where he's scoring like 15 points but he's still having a massive impact on the game because he's setting up other teammates and because the other team still knows how good DeMar DeRozan is so it's not like even if he's having uh, a lackluster game they're still going to guard him at the end of the day which opens up uh, things for his other teammates and then it's just been all about DeMar uh, focusing on hitting those guys and I think that's definitely helped a lot of other guys on this team have good years is when your best player and a veteran on your team is just believing in you. That's a big thing. Uh, DeJounte Murray's had an amazing season. Uh, he's not putting up like crazy numbers or anything, but I really, really like DeJounte Murray, and I feel like he's grown a ton this year. He obviously uh, was a good player early on in his career, the youngest player to ever make an all-defensive uh, team, and then he had the ACL injury. Uh, but last year, he was definitely a little bit disappointing for me, and I think it mostly came from the fact that he just didn't get to play as much minutes as you'd want to due to them uh, wanting to be careful with that injury and uh, putting him on a minutes restriction for most of the year but now that he's just been fully unleashed this year and is playing almost 31 minutes a game he's definitely uh improved quite a lot and is playing some very very good basketball he's a guy who uh, is obviously a fantastic defender that's what he's always going to be known for uh, but his offensive game as a whole i feel like is pretty underrated he's got a, a pretty nice pull up out of the mid-range uh, he is a, a very decent free throw shooter. I still want to sh see the three-point shooting come around. And it's kind of weird because, like, he's a good fr uh, free throw shooter. He shoots well from the mid-range. He's got a pretty sound form. Uh, but he just hasn't really been able to step out and make threes at a consistent rate yet. Uh, but he gets to the basket. Pretty high Q playmaker. 5.1 assists to 1.6 turnovers. As a lot of the times the main ball handler, that's a very good ratio. And what I love about him as well is his length and his ability to uh, get on the boards. He's only 180 pounds, but he averages 7.2 boards a game. These aren't just all like uncontested rebounds. Like he's going up there and using his length to really uh, snag those boards and just be super impactful uh, at all aspects of the game, honestly. Like he's just a really, really well rounded player already, which is great to see as, as him being only a 24 year old. So many guys come into the league now and are only focused on scoring and that's uh, the only way they make an impact on the game uh, but kind of just like DeMar DeJounte Murray could have a game where he put up 
10 points and he could still be one of the best players on the floor because he could grab you eight rebounds he could get you six assists and he could clamp up the other team's best guard uh DeJounte Murray is just a really really nice player I love that he's on the contract that he's on as well like that is a fantastic contract for uh, them because even if he never like blossoms to being like a 20 to 22 point per game score if he just sticks at what he's at now which is a uh, basically a 16 7 and 5 guy while being one of the best guard defenders in the league that's still a fantastic value contract and I think he's going to get better I think he can get into that 18 to 20 point per game range uh, depending on him continuing to improve his three-point shooting and I really love what I've seen from him this year he's a super underrated guy and definitely one of the most underrated young players in the league he never gets talked about at all really and he just deserves a lot more recognition. Lonnie Walker is a guy who's still up and down as a young dude. Uh, but I really like Lonnie Walker and his potential in the future. I just think he still needs time and patience uh, for him to grow. He's only 22 years old at the end of the day. And he really didn't get much opportunity earlier on in his career. Uh, but he's had some great moments. And he's a guy who can explode at any time. And when they have their full team, he's usually a guy that comes off the bench. And I think... As a long-term six-man for this team, I think that's the perfect role for Lonnie Walker. If you know me, I love me some Keldon Johnson. Keldon Johnson is one of my favorite young guys in the NBA. Uh, honestly, I thought his three-point shooting was going to be better. I thought that was going to be the thing that really made Keldon uh, be a very, very high-quality role player. But it's everything else. Like The three-point shooting is only 32.5% this year, and I think uh, later on in his career... And even by the time, like, next season, he can be more around the 38%. And that's what he was at, like, earlier on in the season. But the thing for me is just his confidence, his aggressiveness, the way he attacks the basket. This dude, I'll always talk about his strength. He is so damn strong. It's incredible. I see all the time he's just record not really recklessly, but like fearlessly attacking the basket and just bumping people with how strong he is. He's 6'5", 220, but if you look at him, he is toned. All those pounds are muscle, man. He is really, really strong, and that also helps him on the boards where he's another guy. Uh, this team not really having like a dominant uh, interior big who grabs like a ton of rebounds it's just a team effort and we see that with DeMar getting like six boards we see that with uh, DeJounte and Kelvin Johnson both pulling down seven boards a game I just love how it's a group effort he's grabbing and he's grabbing 1.7 offensive per game that's really impressive from a wing and I just love his versatility because he's a guy who especially with how the Spurs are playing and similar to DeMar DeRozan both of those guys have played like two through four this year uh, they've like been interchangeable at, at, as the starting four. And even though they're undersized, it's the effort that they put up and uh, the ability to crash the glass, even though a lot of teams are bigger than them. He's a good defender as well. And I think as he continues to make his shot more consistent, this dude is going to be fantastic. He's going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer in the future, an all-star caliber player in the league, in my opinion. I love Keldon Johnson in this game so much, and I'm so excited to see him just continue to grow. He's uh, a really, really fun guy for me, and I'm just super excited to see how good he can get because this is only his second year 
He's got a lot of room to grow. Uh, Derek White's been serviceable when he's played for them. He really hasn't played that much this season, so I can't have a super strong opinion either way, but I do like Derek White quite a lot. Patty Mills has been phenomenal off the bench. Uh, another guy who deserves to be in six-man-of-the-year contention, even if Jordan Clarkson's the runaway guy. Uh, a guy like him definitely deserves to be mentioned in the conversation. He's shooting 40% from three on almost seven attempts per game. He's averaging 13.3 points. He's been a great spark plug off the bench. Uh LaMarcus Aldridge, as much as he's not a great player anymore, I do actually really like him playing at, uh, with a bench role. Uh, I just think it allows the other guys to blossom into who uh, they can really be, and it allows a lot of the young guys to just show off their full uh, skill set with him not getting as many touches. So he can just be a nice stretch big off the bench who can score the ball at a decent rate and be a guy who spaces the floor. Uh, which I actually really, really like that role for uh, LaMarcus. And I, I just love the maturity from him. Obviously, he's a 35-year-old player, so he's had the ups and downs in the league. He understands it. But a lot of players who have been as good and as consistent as LaMarcus wouldn't even be willing to take a role off the bench. But that really shows a maturity in LaMarcus Aldridge to say, I know this is best for the team, and I know it's best for me as I'm getting to the later stretches of my career to come off the bench and just bring a nice veteran presence. I'm not the player that I used to be, but I can still be impactful playing in a different role, which is always nice to see people just sacrificing for the good of the team. And that's what this team is as a whole, just everybody sacrificing uh, to play good basketball. Uh, I like Jakobodo quite a lot as their starting center. He's a guy who's never going to put up flashy numbers, but he's just, at the end of the day, a solid, smart basketball player. He is a guy who gets 1.6 blocks a game. And just as a whole, he's a really good interior presence who uses his strength and uses that 7-1 frame to just be a great presence around the basket. He's going to catch lobs. He's going to get easy finishes at the basket. He's a real, real solid player again. He's never going to put up crazy numbers, but he's going to impact winning basketball throughout the rest of his career. Uh, Rudy Gay is another guy who's been nice off the bench. Uh, Just another guy who can score the ball. Uh, I just love the Spurs team as a whole. Devin Vassell, I think, has a a pretty bright future as a guy who I think could be a Chris Middleton type of player as he develops with this roster. And obviously, you got to talk about Greg Popovich, who has done such a phenomenal job of adapting to the modern NBA. I think it took last year, which was the year they were pretty disappointing. They weren't a great team last year. Uh, I think it took... Uh, him that time to really develop into uh, the modern style of basketball and now that he has he is uh, using just all the guys on this roster in a perfect role DeMar DeRozan's playing the four this year uh, which we saw in the bubble as well I think that time between like the uh, the break and the bubble he just really had the time to go over a lot of his mistakes and uh, go over a lot of the reasons why they were struggling. And now we're seeing a completely new Spurs team. And this team continues to fly under the radar. I love the Spurs this year. Next team I want to talk about is the Charlotte Hornets, who are just such a fun team. I do not know how you... Uh, couldn't love watching this Hornets team. Obviously, they're not a special team by any means. Like They're going to be a team that's fighting for a playoff spot uh, for the entire year. But they are just so, so fun to watch, man. Uh, there's a lot of guys on this roster who I just absolutely loved. They obviously had that thriller 
uh, win over the Kings. That was a completely wild game, and they're just a team that is an absolute blast to lo- to watch. It has to start off with LaMelo. He gets a ton of coverage, but he gets it for a reason because LaMelo as a 19-year-old is already so impactful to winning basketball. It's incredible, man, and he's just growing and improving every single game I watch him. Like, the playmaking has obviously been great. I think even people who weren't big on LaMelo coming into the draft, everybody knew how good of a playmaker LaMelo was. That was going to be the thing that always made him stand out. And he just has so many beautiful passes where he just shows uh, some vision that is really, really rare and not many other players possess. Uh, It's really special, the vision that LaMelo has. His handles are just absolutely incredible. I mean, he's got one of the better handles in the league already. He gets by people with ease with those handles. Uh, His ability to finish at the basket has been getting much better. Uh, I said something which I I worded it wrong and a lot of people got frustrated where I said he was scared to uh, drive to the basket, which is not exactly what I meant. Like, obviously, he was taking a lot of drives to the basket earlier on in the year. But what I meant was he was scared to take contact when he was going to the basket, which led to a lot of, like, awkward off-balance floaters and just, like, a lot of weird shots that... Uh, even though he's actually pretty good at those type of shots, they just weren't uh, the best and most efficient shots that you'd want him to take. And while he's still not like a guy who's going to just completely go into guys every single uh, possession because he's only 180 pounds. He has a lot of muscle to put on before I think he'll start doing that. He's getting better and better uh, doing that every single game. That's why I think we're seeing him get to the free throw line more and more. Uh, and once he can really fully unlock that part of his game, Lamelo's just going to be unstoppable, man, because he does have great touch around the basket. His floater game, which is something I talked about a ton before the draft, is something that I'm just in love with. His floaters are phenomenal. He can do them from almost anywhere on the floor, and he's just got incredible touch on those. His creativity around the basket is uh, very, very good. He does a great job of avoiding contact, which, again, I, I don't love at times, but he does do a good job at times of like using Euro steps and using ball fakes to get easy finishes at the basket. Uh, his three-point shooting has been much better than I expected. Obviously, he's not a great three-point shooter. He's just below league average, but I expected him, especially with him taking 5.2 per game, uh, when he was going into this year, I thought he was going to be a pretty bad shooter. I thought if he was taking the amount he was, he was going to be like a 28% guy. And this is even as someone who loved LaMelo. I always thought uh, even if he was going to be impactful like he has been, the efficiency, I always thought it was going to be a little bit rough. But uh, while it's not like amazing efficiency, a 55% true shooting especially for a rookie guard, is not bad by any means. And just it's his confidence with the three-point shooting. And that is the first step, and it's such an important thing. That's why a lot of other players who probably have the talent as a shooter just aren't that great of shooters. I I always go to this because this is someone who always stands out to me as having a lack of confidence. Someone like Cameron Reddish uh, from the Atlanta Hawks, I just feel like doesn't have the confidence. But LaMelo, while not being like an amazing shooter, his form is a little bit awkward. You know he has the confidence. He pulls from deep. He can hit those. He's hitting step backs uh, down the stretch of the Suns game. He hit two back-to-back massive threes. And it just shows just a lack of 
a lack of care, really. And that kind of sounds bad, but I mean that in the best way possible. He does not care uh, what people really think about him. At the end of the day, he's going to do what he thinks leads to winning basketball, and it has completely. His confidence is through the roof, man. And again, for a 19-year-old guard, which is, uh, as a point guard, that's the most hard position to transfer uh, to in the NBA, that just shows uh, a lot of a lot of really good things about him as a person. That's the one thing I really loved about LaMelo coming out of the draft with how much just adversity he went through. And obviously, like, he didn't he didn't grow homeless or anything. He was with the Ball family in a big high school in California. But this dude was scrutinized all over throughout the national media. He was the guy who went all over the place. He started off in high school. He had that, like, 90-point game, which a bunch of people were criticizing. He went over to overseas. People are criticizing him there. Uh, and then he went over to Australia. He Well, he went back to high school before he went to Australia. And through all of this, he always kept a positive mindset. And even though his dad talked a lot for him, LaMelo's just always been a reserved kid off the court, but an absolute killer on the court. Love LaMelo so much. I could talk about him all day. He's just, he's a really special player, man. And he's definitely someone who's been massive to their success. Terry Rozier has been phenomenal this year. He's definitely proved me wrong. I mean, he's shooting 44% from three on seven and a half attempts per game, which is just ridiculous. Like, he has really, really become one of the best shooters in the league. And that's not even an argument anymore. 44% on seven and a half attempts is crazy. Like, obviously, he was a great shooter last year as well, shooting 40.7% on uh, 6.7 a game. But he's just gone to a whole nother level this year. Like, he looks like an all-star caliber player, especially recently. He's been incredible this year, man. He's a guy who can close it down the stretch. He is more efficient than I ever thought he'd be. Like, in his Boston days, he was a guy who obviously showed the flashes. He had the moments in the playoffs. Uh, but he was a guy who was never efficient enough for me. Uh, but he's taken full advantage of all the opportunities he's gotten Charlotte. And he's one of those players that I just love to see because I always really appreciate when someone can turn their narrative around. And Terry Rozier has completely turned the narrative around from that being a bad contract and some people considering it one of the worst contracts in the league to that being a good contract. Like, that is a very, very good contract now, which is just crazy. Like, shout out to Terry Rozier, man. He's been phenomenal for them this year. And he's literally such a perfect matchup with the Mello in the backcourt. As someone who isn't a great playmaker, that's the one part of his game that he really lacks. So LaMelo can focus all on the playmaking, and it just lets Terry Rozier be exactly who he wants to be, which is a pure bucket, and it just fits him so perfectly. I love P.J. Washington at the four. He doesn't put up like crazy numbers, and I never expect him to put up the craziest numbers, but he's a guy who we all know who can that can shoot the ball. He's a stretch four. He finishes at the basket well. He's improving on the defensive side of the ball, and I just think he's a player who's really, really nice. He had, obviously, a crazy game against the Kings. He was incredible that game. 
And as a whole, I think he's just always going to be one of the best role players in the league. He reminds me a bit of like a modern David West, Paul Millsap type of player, where I never think he's really going to be an all-star, but he's just going to be such a high-tier role player that any team is going to want. So that was a great pick for them. Malik Monk, another guy who has completely turned the narrative of him just around and has flipped it on its head. Like, he's been fantastic this year. At the beginning of the year, he was getting coaches DMPs where he was just not getting put in the game. But ever since he's been starting to get minutes and opportunity, he has taken full advantage of it. And I think he's the long-term six-man for this team. I think he's going to be a phenomenal six-man for this roster. He's shooting 44% from three on five and a half attempts, has been incredibly efficient, which was always my issue with Malik Monk. He has a 61% true shooting. Like, he is just a pure bucket off the bench. And he's another guy where LaMelo just allows these guys to feed off him so well because they don't have to do anything but just get buckets, which they naturally do. Like, that's the role that they play in. I love that so, so much, man. Miles Bridges, we all know his connection with LaMelo. He's someone who can shoot the ball. He can uh, obviously catch lobs as one of the more athletic players in the league. I think he's the perfect long-term fit here. And I think he's another guy who fits amazingly amount around LaMelo. It's kind of crazy because a lot of these guys were here last year. But, like... In hindsight, LaMelo was such a perfect fit here. It's ridiculous. Like, I always loved the fit, but I didn't even think it was going to be such a great fit. When you look at this roster, Terry Rozier, Malik Monk, both fit, fit perfect along LaMelo. Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, just both fit perfect. You got Gordon Hayward, another guy who fits very, very well. And even though he slowed down from the start of the year, I think it's just more about other guys emerging and playing so well. And then him just kind of taking his foot off the gas and allowing a Terry Rozier to blossom the way he has. Like Gordon Hayward's just an incredibly efficient player, which I've always just loved about him is when he's healthy he is always going to be one of the more efficient players in the league because he's such a high Q basketball player and he's just so good from every aspect. He's a guy, great mid-range shooter, very good finisher, great three-point shooter, very good free throw shooter, good playmaker, solid defender, solid enough rebounder. Like he's just so well-rounded. Uh, and then the only thing they really need to improve on is the big man position. Uh, like, Cody Zeller is definitely serviceable. He's a solid player. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I think once they truly find like a great center who can rim run and play alongside LaMelo, they need someone in like the Clint Capella type of mold. I think this team's going to be beautiful, man, because the guards I already love. The forward position, love. Uh, the center position is just the one thing they need to get. I think James Rego is a very good coach as well. Uh, I just really enjoy watching this team. Uh, I think they're playing phenomenal basketball this year. Continue to be the most fun team for me to watch. And I think everybody, uh, or at least almost everybody, can agree on this. The Charlotte Hornets are must-see TV. Just an absolute show every night. And I really enjoy this roster. I love the way they've been playing this year. And they definitely are a team that I hope makes the playoffs because I'd be heartbroken if they didn't. This team is an absolute blast to watch. And I hope the Charlotte Hornets keep killing it the way they have been because uh, they're just a, a show every single night. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to talk about the New York Knicks. 
Okay, I'm back to talk about the New York Knicks, who at the recording of this video are the number four seed in the Eastern Conference. Just absolutely shocking everyone, including myself. I thought this team was not going to be good at all coming into the year. And so many guys on this team have just completely turned the narrative around uh, of where their career was heading. And it first starts off with Julius Randle. Julius Randle, all-star this year and a well-deserving one. He has been ridiculous this year. I thought coming into the year, he was an empty stack guy. He was a guy who was going to put up numbers, uh, but they weren't super efficient and it wasn't leading to winning basketball. Uh, but he's been just fantastic this year. And I have to give him all the credit in the world for turning his narrative around and completely changing everyone's opinion on him. He's averaging 23.4 points, 10.9 rebounds, and 5.5 assists on a 58.9% true shooting. That is just ridiculous. He is shooting the ball better than I ever thought he could, shooting 42% on 4.6 threes a game. And at this point in the season, you got to start taking a lot of these things as legit. Like, I don't think he's a 42% shooter, but he very, very clearly has worked super hard on his game and has improved as a player, which you always love to see the hard work that these players put in because the M being an NBA player, takes a lot mentally physically it's it's a tall tall task to do and especially being an all-star caliber player when the league is as talented as it is uh, especially when you were a player who by most people was thought as an empty stats guy just one year ago and in, in a shortened offseason as well he must have just been working his ass off and it's clearly paid off with how well he's played this year. He's playmaking. He's taking the ball up the floor. And I, I just feel like he's truly found his role and he's found himself as a player. Uh, because I think what we see in Julius Randle, and this is what we see in the New York Knicks as a whole, but I think Julius Randle is such a good example for it, is the value of culture. The value of culture is something that I thought we all learned last year with the Miami Heat. And many other teams that, though they weren't as talented as other rosters, they were able to win because good coaching and a good co uh, culture. And I think that's absolutely what we're seeing with Julius Randle. He has had terrible cultures throughout his years in the NBA so far. If we look at his years in L.A., those teams were real, real bad. Earlier on in his career, he had coaches who were pulling him out of uh, the game as a rookie just for making simple rookie mistakes, uh, completely hurting his confidence. And then he was just playing on tanking teams that really had no direction and just were uh, bad rosters. And then you see the next team he goes on, the New Orleans Pelicans. That team that year was an absolute mess. At the beginning of the year, he was playing good basketball and they were trying to win games. But the second the Anthony Davis uh, situation started, that whole team was a disaster. Anthony Davis is playing, but not really. He's playing like 20 minutes a game. Uh, everybody on that roster is wondering what's going to be the future of that team because everybody knew uh, a lot of people were not going to be there the next year uh, because that team was trying to win, and then they were going to go in a completely different direction with a youth movement. So that culture was terrible. Last year's New York team, they were losing games, looking like an awful roster, another bad culture. And a lot of these teams have had bad coaches as well. 
But then you bring in Tom Thibodeau, who I thought was uh, a coach who was just outdated at this point. I thought he didn't understand a lot of modern concepts that was needed in a head coach uh, in the modern NBA. But Tom Thibodeau clearly took all the time he had off to just reevaluate all his mistakes and just completely get a whole new view of what the NBA is like today. And what I'll always say about Tom Thibodeau, even when I thought his schemes in Minnesota were really bad and really outdated, he's always going to bring a winning culture to any team he goes on, no matter what. And that's what we've absolutely seen with the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau is a guy who has that no BS attitude. He's just a super hard-nosed guy who is always going to Uh, thrive to get the best out of his players and that's what he does very very well he always uh, brings in that defense first mentality and that's what we see with the Knicks they're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA and obviously they have good defensive personnel to back it up you obviously need that like RJ Barrett's a good defender Mitchell Robinson Nerlens Noel is a good uh, defender as a backup Uh, Emmanuel quickly puts in good effort as a guard but they don't have like the most amazing defensive personnel, but it's everybody buying into the system and buying into this defensive identity that allows them to be as good of a defensive team as they are. And that's just, again, Tom Thibodeau uh, bringing in that culture and completely changing the culture of New York. They've made so many good decisions in these Uh, in this like past year and you have to give credit to the front office as well like the front office uh, is has changed quite a lot in these past couple years and these guys that are up there are clearly very very smart people and they're making incredible decisions tons of credit to them I got to give credit to James Dolan for being quiet and kind of being hands off with the team, allowing the basketball minds to do what they do best. Like this New York Knicks team is just showing the value of culture and how important that is. And I think that is just such a perfect example in Julius Randle. And this roster is also just well-constructed. Like, it's not a perfectly constructed team by any means. And they're barely above 500. Like, they are not a fantastic team. But it is so much better constructed than these past couple years. R.J. Barrett's been playing great basketball this year. Uh, So many people were uh, just completely giving up on this kid who had barely played at all in the league. And of course he's going to have struggles when he's playing in a terrible culture, when there's zero spacing and he's a slasher. Like, of course he's going to have an up-and-down year, especially as a rookie. I don't know what people were saying when they were just writing him off completely, but he's been playing good basketball this year. Another guy who buys into this defensive mentality, which I love. He's a really underrated wing defender because he's really strong, and then he's such a fantastic slasher. He's been shooting the ball better recently. Derrick Rose, I wasn't a huge fan of that pickup originally, but it showed to be very, very good. He's just another guy who brings a veteran presence to that team, and I just like it because he gives them another option uh, when the game gets tight and when you may not trust these young players as much. Gives just a sturdy, reliable veteran, uh, a guy who's been 
through the ups and downs of the league, like this guy's been at the high of being an MVP, but has also been at the low of being basically out of the league. So I think he can bring a lot of valuable things uh, to these younger players. Like I think he can teach Emmanuel quickly so many valuable lessons, and that's just another good guy who's bringing culture to this team that they desperately needed for so many years. Uh, you and then you got like uh, Alec Burks off the bench, just a solid veteran player who at the end of the day has been in the league for a while and knows how to win games. Good shooter. Uh, that's what you need on this roster. You need shooters to surround your slashers. Reggie Bullock, Bullock is having a much better year uh, than his first year in New York. He's another guy who could shoot the ball, bring spacing for that team and just fits with what they're going for. Uh, you got Emmanuel Quickly, who is every who everybody is raving over. He's been fantastic this year. Like I love what Emmanuel Quickly brings to this team. There's a guy who can bring a nice punch off the bench as someone who can score, and he puts in that effort on the defense side of the ball. He's a bit undersized, but he's always going to put in the effort, which is uh, the most important thing. Well, at a certain point, size is going to matter. Defense is effort first. And uh, that's how you're going to get minutes on this team is showing the effort. I just love what this roster has done so much this year. And I'm so happy that Knicks basketball is back. I'm happy that Knicks fans are happy because I personally haven't had bad experiences with them. And I went to Madison Square Garden one time uh, when they played the Bucks last year. They got blown out. But it was just so cool to see the energy from uh, that arena. Their team that sucked. They were terrible last year. And they were getting blown out by the Knicks. Uh, by the Bucks, but they were still showing that energy, showing that heart and that passion that Knicks fans bring. They're just a fun ass team, and I again, I think they've really just showed the value of culture, how important that is. And so many people have had just a complete renaissance year. Uh, I think so many people are changing the narrative, and they've been really, really special to watch. Love the New York Knicks and love everything they've done so far this season. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. It's been Michael. Peace out.